we're so excited to see you here, and it's an exciting season for Centerway. Um, I'm just going to talk through some things today just to help those that may be new here. There's a lot of us actually that connected online during that time that we never got to see face-to-face, just through a screen. And so if that's you, uh, welcome today. Um, For those of you that actually are watching online, a lot of what I say here in person may not apply, but if you have questions or want to do some of these things, you can do those through our website, centerwaychurch.com. So basically just going to run through some things. We would love for you to share your information. We are not going to hunt you down. We are not going to stalk you. We're not weird like that. Basically, what we want to do is follow up and get feedback from you. We love to collaborate. We love feedback here. And so we'd love to hear what you think. Um, There are a couple of ways you can share your information with us. There are info cards out at the info center, um, or you can also use what's called the Bible app or the version app. Um, the thing that's great about that app is that you can use it for more than just sharing your information. You can use it to follow along with the message. You can even take notes, and actually you can even give right through that app to Centerway. Speaking of giving, um, we don't pass an offering bucket around. There's an offering uh, box right in the back. Uh, We love to talk about giving. We don't shy away from it, but we're also not going to pass it. Um, We just really want you to give with the recognition that Jesus has given us everything, and that comes from a heart of generosity, not from like a religious obligation. Um, So that's our our thoughts towards giving, and we love to be generous here, so we'd encourage you toward that end. Um, Some other ways to connect and engage throughout the week, we create wallpapers for our phones. Right there, there you go, with the application on it. That's how we end our messages every week with some sort of an application to apply the text. So you can have uh, wallpapers on that or on um, your desktop devices. You can connect with us on social media. Uh, You can find our Spotify playlist. And what that does, we're in a series right now called Within Walking Distance. So all the songs that we're singing through this series, through this nine-week series, will be in that particular Spotify playlist um, if you'd like to listen back to anything we're doing here. And we also create Monday, Wednesday, Friday devotionals. They're curated by our team. They go deeper into the text that you're about to hear, and they're just encouraging and insightful. Right now we're in uh, Mark, which is in the Greek, so a lot of times you'll find Greek words that are unpacked and things like that. So highly recommend. Um, If you have any questions, ideas, this goes for anybody, not just our guests. If you had feedback or if you need prayer, the best way to connect with us throughout the week is by emailing connect at centerwaychurch.com. Now, there are other ways that you can keep moving forward throughout the week. We call them next steps. Um, At the end of the message, you may hear Claude talk through some of those. Um, But some other ways, some other things you can do at any point is you can be spiritually coached. We have a one-on-one eight-week discipleship process that is stellar, and we love it. And you can sign up for that anytime. You can serve. I'm telling you, just even if you serve on Setup and Teardown Team, it's so fun. We have a blast together. Um, And it's just a great way to get involved, hospitality, lots of other, lots of kind of entry-level ways if you a low risk ways for you to serve if you're maybe a little nervous about that or haven't served yet. You can get water baptized and you become a centerway steward. And um, there actually is a clarity workshop coming up in two weeks. And that's for those that feel um, like they may want to steward the mission and vision specifically of centerway in a unique way. And so the clarity workshop, you'll go through a personality uh, test, you'll go through a spiritual gifts test, and we'll talk about that. You'll hear more about the history of centerway, our short history, but our history nonetheless, and, um, and how you may be able to steward the mission and vision of Centerway. So that's going to happen on Sunday the 17th. Um, All that information is on our website. You can always look to the calendar page of our website, and most of what we have coming up is there. Um, But on the Next Steps page also... Circles. Circles started this week. We have an online circle happening Thursday nights, uh, an in-person adult and kids circle. Eric is cheering 
in the foyer out there for circles, and it's making me laugh. My apologies. Uh, the adult and kids in-person one is happening Friday nights, and then the student one is happening Sundays right after the gathering, and that starts today. So we're super excited. Don't worry if you uh, didn't make it to the first one. You can hop in anytime. Just sign up on, on our website. Speaking of students, the student retreat is coming up um, this month, and so we're super excited about that. Today is the day that we'd love to know that you're going and to have your first payment, but if you are not prepared for that, just talk to us and let us know. We're happy to work with you, but that is going to be a great time. You know, parents, we invest a lot in our kids' hobbies and in their sports and different things, um, but just encourage you to invest in their spiritual growth as well, and that'll be a great time to do that. So we always say here at Center Way, from the very beginning, we always say, we get to do this. And that's not just a phrase that we say over and over with no meaning. We really believe that. We are so thrilled to be gathering with you all today. We're thrilled to be growing spiritually. We're thrilled to be in gospel-centered community. So here's what to expect. As soon as I'm done yapping up here, <laughs> I'm going to pray. And then Brian's going to come up and read our scripture text that we're going to be learning from today. Claude's going to be communicating from the Bible. And then we're going to respond to the word through singing and through some songs that go right along with the message. So we're excited about that. So let's pray together. God, you are so kind. And yet you are also so holy. And so we come with reverence, knowing that we are in your presence. And what a joy that is. And we also come just open-handed and open-hearted because we know that you want us to just come as we are. And so, God, would you just do the work that only you can do? We're here with open hands, ready to hear your word. Lord, you help us to know what the Spirit is saying to your church today. Um, we're thankful to be in your presence, and we want to walk out of here changed people uh, who are ready to change the community around them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Just Brian. Hi, my name is Brian, and I'll be reading our scripture for today. Uh, it comes from Mark 14, uh, verse 26 to 42. You can follow along in the YouVersion app, as Meredith mentioned, or on the screen behind me, I believe. I'm just going to have faith that it will come up. Uh, or in the scripture journals, which I think if you don't have one, they're available in the back afterwards. Mark 14, verse 26 through 42. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. And they went to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John, and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. And he came the third time and said to them, 
Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Thanks so much, Brian. Excited to continue in the series within walking distance, as has already been mentioned, and today's message is actually entitled Agendas. Agendas. Um, I want to kind of start things off by telling you a little bit of a story that you may or may not have caught. I'm a huge um, Olympics fan. I don't know if you guys were fans of the Olympics. Uh, When I was growing up, when you turned on the television and the Olympics were on there, it was because it was like a medal around. But now coverage has completely changed. So I'm like watching and cheering and screaming. And then they're like, that's heat one of 17. I'm like, that didn't even matter. So I, uh, I had a little bit of adjusting to do with Olympics, but also uh, the Paralympics were televised in Tokyo this year also. And there was one gentleman who really struck me. His name is Herbert, and I am not going to disgrace him by mispronouncing his last name. Um, but he's an athlete from El Salvador, and he was the flag bearer, actually, for El Salvador. He was born with a unique uh, disease that I will not try to pronounce, except to say that it results in uh, short-limbed dwarfism. And so when he was born, his parents were actually told, his mother was told that he had three months to live. And um, that's exactly kind of the classification because they did a little bit of a highlight story on him. And um, he described this idea of short-limbed dwarfism somehow affecting even uh, the way he can function and the development of his, um, of, uh, his vital organs. And so he was given three months to live and now here he is as an adult competing at the highest level. And it was one of those kind of like tear-jerking moments. I don't know if you ever have them where you're like watching television, you're just like engrossed, and you're like, <laughs> and your kids are like, what's wrong, Dad? You're like, nothing, I'm just breathing heavy. You're like, <laughs> um, It was just such a moving story as he's carrying this flag out, and you kind of fast forward. And so I just sort of watched his story a little bit online, and um, he's a weightlifter. Uh, he's a power lifter specifically. And um, he ended up earning the bronze medal in this year's Olympics uh, because although he did lift the same amount as the person that earned the silver, um, it was disqualified because of the way he arched his back or he lifted his shoulder blade. But what's important is that A, he lifted it still, and that B, it's slightly, slightly more than I can lift at a whopping 412 pounds. It was, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Not to Eric. I mean, he throws that stuff up all the time. But this guy who was given less than three months to live now makes it to adulthood and overcomes all the odds and becomes this not only healthy person, but a superb athlete capable of lifting over 400 pounds. His story is compelling to say the least. So the question I want to ask you as we move into the text today is this. Who comes to mind when you think of overcoming challenges? Who is it that comes to mind when you think of this idea of overcoming challenges? I think when we talk about overcoming challenges, we can be very inspired by people's ability to to do something that maybe we think we could never do, you know, or just in awe of somebody's ability to do something. In fact, sometimes when that takes place, we call these people heroes, right? When they do something that just seems against all odds, like, man, they're a hero, We maybe think of a person that overcame a physical limitation like Herbert that I just spoke of. 
to do things that maybe others thought were impossible. Or maybe when you think of people overcoming challenges, you think of a person in the civil rights movement or an athlete or a hero in the faith, maybe even yourself. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're thinking about some of the challenges that you have overcome and you're kind of proud of yourself in a healthy way. There's no doubt, whoever the person may be, when you consider the idea of overcoming challenges, it's moving. When it happens, when it takes place, it moves us. In some cases, it even moves us to tears. It has an impact on us. How do people do it? How is it that a person overcomes things that just seem impossible to the average person? And then when you ask them about it, it's like they just kind of shrug it off. Like it was either, well, it's my job or you would have done the same thing in my situation or it was just a no-brainer. I had to overcome it. I want to tell you that they overcome the, fa- the challenges that they face because I, wa- I want to submit the idea that the reason they overcome a challenge has to do with them not being okay living limited by the challenge they face, right? That's not like rocket science. I think it's somewhat simplistic or common sense that every person that has overcome any challenge from the beginning of time has done so because they were not okay living limited by the challenge they were faced with. They were discontent. It's the discontentedness that that causes us to rise above the challenge that's before us. Something needs to change. And that kind of discontentedness informs an agenda. Something I'm going to do. I'm going to see this through. An ideal future or an ideal outcome. That's what an agenda is when you have an agenda. And sometimes we think of agendas as a negative thing. Like, oh, have you met Susie? She has such an agenda. And maybe Susie does. But I'm talking about an agenda on either side. Like if you can have an agenda and it simply means that you have an ideal future or a desired outcome. And the truth is we all have agendas. A picture of a future on some level. Some positive and some negative. Today's section of of scripture is about challenges and agendas. So I want to look for a moment at the text and consider the disciples' perspective. If you were with us last week or if you weren't, let me kind of summarize. Jesus has just presided over a rather confusing Passover meal. It went off script. Jesus has gone off script. And as this Passover meal comes to a conclusion, they sing a hymn together and Jesus fills them in on a challenge, a challenge that they're all facing. They will all fall away, is what Jesus says. And if you look at the word fall away in the original text, if we look at the original Greek, it means to sin or stumble. He's telling his disciples, listen, those of you that have walked with me, that have talked with me, that have gone and seen all of these miracles that have taken place over the last three years, you are all going to fall away. You will all sin or stumble. This word, this Greek word, is actually where we get our English word scandalized from. So he's basically saying, listen, there's a scandal. You will commit a scandal. Let's pick up the text, verses 29 through 31. I'll reread. When Jesus says this, verse 29 says, Peter said to him, even though they all fall away, I will not. Teacher's pet. And Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. 
But he said empathetically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. It's incredible. Peter says, when faced with the the reality of this impending challenge that Jesus lays out before him, Peter says, listen, I will overcome that challenge. I can do that. I'm going to overcome it. Listen, I don't know about all these other jokers that are in the room. I can't talk for the other, but I'm going to tell you right now, I am ready to die for you. And all of them quickly say, yeah, us too. It says all of them say, listen, we would lay down our lives for you. Now, there's something very important happening here. Jesus knows Peter will deny him and doesn't dismiss him. It's almost like a picture of what just happened at a Passover meal where he knows Judas is going to betray him and doesn't dismiss him, doesn't call him out. He's dealing with a very similar situation. He looks at Peter and Peter's like, I I will never deny you. (laughs) And of course, we have the gift of the text and so we can look forward and be like, yeah, Peter's a little idealistic. (laughs) And Jesus knows the same thing. He knows he's going to deny him and he looks at him and says, you're going to. You will, but he doesn't make him go away. He doesn't correct him. He doesn't say, and so go stand in the corner until you learn your lesson. No, it's important that we understand that Jesus will never dismiss us or let us down. It's also important to understand that you will let God down and he knows it. Think about that. It's not a shock when you let the God of heaven down. It's not, shock. it's not a shock to him when there is a scandal afoot, when your agenda leads you off skew and away from God himself. There's no surprise to him. He knows the challenges of your flesh. He understands, and he will never let you down. Jesus is saying, I am committed to you. I love you, knowing that you will scandalize and even disown me. He's saying, I love you anyway. I love you. In fact, scripture tells us that while we were enemies of God, he went to a cross and died the death that we deserve, right? So it's not this idea of if we perform well enough, if we behave enough, then God will be so impressed that we actually get into this magical place called heaven. No, Jesus is saying, listen, I understand the challenge is too large. You're going to let me down, but I'm not going to let you down. You see, Peter's agenda is to overcome the challenge. In his own strength, he thinks, like us, if we're honest at times, that he's going to overcome sin. He's going to impress the God of heaven. Let me tell you, I'm going to do it. That's why some people say, listen, I could never go to church. I'm afraid the building will fall down. I don't know if you've ever heard that. I hear that as a pastor. I can't go to church. That place will fall down if I walk in. They're like, What? What does that even mean? What they're basically saying is, I'm not good enough to earn presence, the presence of God. I can't come into his presence. I'm too wicked. And Jesus is saying, no joke. We're all a hot mess, right? All of us in this place are sinners saved by grace. But Peter is trying to to come to the place where he's saying, I'm going to overcome the sin. I'm going to overcome the challenge. I will impress you, Jesus. I'm going to earn it. I'm going to earn it. We need to realize the only thing that we bring to our salvation 
is the sin that makes it necessary. I don't know who said that. It was someone smarter than I. I read it at some point, I believe, so I can't take credit for it, but I'll say it again because it stuck with me. The only thing we bring to our salvation is the sin that makes it necessary. Now they go on to a garden to pray. The disciples are walking along and Jesus tells his disciples to sit and to wait while he prays. And so as he sits them down, he takes three disciples, those that are his closest friends. And let's read verses 33 through 34. It says this, it says, sit here while I pray. And then verse 33 picks up, it says, and he took, meaning Jesus, took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. Now up until this point, Jesus had several interactions with people that have threatened to kill him. The disciples come to him and say, hey, we need to leave. There's different times that he stays when they want him to go. There's times that he leaves when they want him to stay. But never does he display any type of sorrow or distress like what we see here. So this is unique The disciples, I would assume, would be somewhat put off or at least shaken by the reality of the depth of the sorrow that Jesus is articulating. And he's sitting there with his disciples, his friends. These are people that he has lived with for three years that he would consider his friends, all of which have just said that they would die for him. Like his closest friends. And they're like, I'm gonna, I will die for you. And he discloses to them that he is distressed and troubled. And he asks them to just do one thing. Watch. Just stay here and watch. The Greek word for watch means stay awake. (laughs) It means stay awake. Like a guard that keeps watch. So a guard that keeps watch is expected to stay awake and stay alert, be alive, be aware, be cognizant of the situation. And so Jesus is saying, just just stay awake. Just be present with me. My closest friends that have said that they'll lay down their life for me, I don't expect you to die for me. Just do me one favor. Just stay awake. If you could just stay awake and be present with me. He goes a little further and he literally falls to the ground and begins to pray. What does he pray? Verse 36 And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet, not my will, but what you will. Jesus, when he's speaking of this cup, he's speaking of the cup of wrath. The cup of God's wrath that has been spoken about all throughout the Old Testament. This idea that sin re, uh, results in wrath, that it must be punished. And so Jesus is saying, is there any way that this cup of wrath can be put aside? That I can avoid drinking from the cup of wrath, distance from God the Father. Get this, something that we need to understand. Jesus is not being strong-armed here. It's not like he's sitting there saying, God, I don't want to. I'm really scared. He's like, okay, but I guess I will. He's not being strong-armed. The challenge that is before him is one that he is aware of. And because he is without sin, he can actually pull the plug. Jesus, at this point, has the ability to say, can you remove this cup? In fact, I'm not going to drink of this cup. I will not do this. He can acknowledge his innocence, but instead, 
in an act of love and grace and mercy, he aligns his agenda with God the Father. He says, not my will, but yours, our will. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna see this to the end. And he reaffirms that he'll die the death that you and I deserve, the death that we deserve. And it goes on in verses 37 and 38 as, as he's having this incredible experience It says, and he came, meaning Jesus, and found them sleeping. (laughs) What? I don't know about you. I mean, I've had friends let me down, but like this type of situation, I I would probably just like punt them in the ribs or something, you know, be like, seriously? You just said you'd die for me. You can't stay awake for 30 seconds. What is happening? He came and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, I don't think it's any mistake that he says it to Peter because Peter's the dude that's like, listen, I'm not gonna deny you. He's like, hey, Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? One hour. That means they've been sleeping an hour after he asked them to stay awake. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Come on, guys. Can't you just be present with me right now? Can't you pray? Can't you at least pray? Now, what's important when it, when it says here that the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak, it doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit is willing and that the flesh is weak. It means spirit, if you look at the original text, it actually means human spirit. In other words, the human spirit is willing. In other words, I know you want to stay awake, but the flesh is weak. You just can't. In other words, You intend well, but your flesh is weak. Why aren't they obeying? Why aren't they doing everything they can? Why aren't they just saying, all right, I'm gonna stand up. It would would read way better in history if it said, and the disciples stood to their feet and overcome with extreme fatigue above and beyond all of their capacity, fell asleep on their feet only to fall to the ground. You know, then you're like, oh, those dudes really put it all on the line. (laughs) It doesn't say that. Why aren't they obeying? Why aren't they obeying Jesus? It's because they don't understand what's happening. They don't know why they need to stay awake and pray. They don't get it. They don't understand the weight of what's happening. You know, when I was growing up, um, I was the the type of kid, and I I know that this might resonate with some of you, (laughs) maybe even more than you want to admit, but I was the type of kid that when my dad would tell me to do something, I would say, okay, I will. I just need to know why. And he'd be like... I'm not gonna tell you why, you just need to obey. And I'm like, yeah, no, 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 I'm gonna obey, but just tell me why. And he's like, no, I'm not gonna tell you why, because when I tell you to do something, you just need to do it. I'm gonna do it, I just, I just wanna know why. <laughs> and he, looks, he would look at me several times, believe it or not, it was not just a one and done thing. <laughs> he would look at me and he'd say, you need to trust me and obey. That's obeying, it's just trusting me and doing what I say. You see, if we obey only when we know the why, then our obedience is actually conditional. We're basically saying, God, I'll do whatever you want as long as it makes sense to me. (laughs) As long as I'm in agreement with what it is that you're gonna say, then that's fine. I'll do whatever it is, just tell me why so I can either like make sense of it or not. Listen, us needing to know why means we want to be in control and that's not obedience That's us imposing and protecting our agenda. Does this fit with the way I want to live my life? 
I mean, God, come on, I, I have an idea of how I want my life to play out. And, you know, I need to know why I feel compelled to do this before I just kind of blindly obey. And so the question I want to ask you is, are you living in obedience to the Lord? And you might say, well, I think, I mean, what does that look like? I'm at church or I'm watching online or whatever. I guess I'm in obedience. It means, have you laid your life before him? with your time, your talent, and your treasure? Have you said, listen, my time is your time, God. My talent, my gifts, I have them because you've bestowed them upon me, so I lay them as an offering before you. Everything that I own, my entire treasure, it's all yours, Lord. I'm laying it all at your feet. Tell me what you want me to do with my one and only life because here's the deal. The breath in our lungs is a gift from God himself. Our ability to, to wake up in the morning and open our eyes is an act of grace upon our lives. And so do we live in obedience to the Lord with the things that we hold most precious? Or do we say, well, I mean, I'll do anything you want, God. Uh, between this time and this time, because I'm super busy trying to work things out for myself. I mean, come on. I mean, you get it, God, right? Is it, you can do whatever you want, God, just don't make it inconvenient for me. Oh, and by the way, don't forget like the way I plan on retiring and working all of that out. As long as you don't impose financially to affect that. I mean, I kind of have an agenda, but anything else, I mean, whatever you want. To, hey, I'll die for you. I'm not even kidding, God. You say it, I'll lay down my life on Tuesdays between four and seven. Yeah, no? Okay, so the point is we don't live in full obedience to God. We don't. It's a process. It's a process of, of con conviction and surrender. It's a process of realizing who it is that, that God is and what the truth of the gospel is and how that informs the way we deal with every aspect of our lives. It means that we're willing to be messed up by the truth of the gospel to the point where we eventually just kind of pry our hands open and say, I am simply a steward of what it is that you have given me. And so God, how do you want me to proceed? Your will, not mine. Listen, Jesus's commitment to you isn't based on your commitment to him. His commitment to you is not based on your commitment to him. That's really good news because most days we are not very committed. In fact, we are rather scandalous in the way that we function. He knew that we were sinners, right? That we were enemies and yet he loved us. His commitment to us is unconditional. So here's the good and scary news. <laughs> the only one that can mess up the relationship is you. It's good and also really scary. Because in most relationships that we function in this world, it's a two-way street, right? We can always blame the other person. Like, hey, I was loving and I was kind and they were just really mean and super selfish. I did everything I could in the relationship and they just took and took and took. I mean, I'm just an innocent bystander. Bystander. <laughs> Whoops. I could literally feel Meredith being like, that's not a word. But here's the deal. Jesus doesn't function that way. He's standing there, arms open wide. It's important to know that God hasn't and won't abandon you. Hear that. 
Some of you need to hear that because you feel abandoned. You feel forgotten. And that is a lie. The truth is God has not and will not abandon or forget you. He has not forgotten you. He has a plan and a purpose for you. You move away from him. When you feel alone and abandoned, it's because you have created distance from God himself. He has remained in proximity to you. Listen, Jesus is within walking distance. He's right there. He's never left you. He's never forsaken you. You've gotten wrapped up or or busy in the cares and the worries of this world, and you have walked away from the Lord, but he remains in proximity to you. You and I disobey the law and deserve punishment because of our scandalized life. Jesus obeyed the law and deserved blessing. But get this. We get his blessing because he took our punishment. We get his blessing because he took our punishment. He took the punishment that we deserve. Listen, we have agendas. We have fallen asleep on the mission that God has called us to, to go and make disciples, to live on mission. We've fallen asleep on the mission. We've been distracted by lesser things. We've made promises to God and we haven't come through. And at times we've even felt abandoned. Our spirit was willing, but our flesh was weak. We were distracted. We are distracted by our own agendas. But listen, Jesus was denied by his closest friends. And on the cross, he drank from that cup of wrath. And he was willingly and actually abandoned by God on the cross so that we would never be abandoned. That in our loneliest, darkest moments, God would be within walking distance because of the person and work of Jesus Christ. We get to walk in that truth. That is the truth of the gospel that should inform every aspect of our lives. It's the one and only thing that matters. We say every week that the text requires something of us. And of course, this week is no different. And so I want to ask you a question that I want to challenge you to ask yourself. The question is this, how will I lay down my agenda to do God's will? How will I lay down my agenda to do God's will? Jesus has gone to the cross and he has overcome the challenge. And so what does it look like to to realign our agenda as a result of the truth of the gospel? For some of you in here today, it means just surrendering to the Lord. To say, I'm done living for and by myself. I just try to fix the problem all the time, only to feel more empty at the end of the day. I've tried to fill the void with everything I can think of, and I still feel further and further away from God than ever before. And so I want to challenge all of us for a moment to just not be distracted in this moment. The team, the worship team is going to come up to get their instruments. And so I just ask that you either bow your heads or at least look at the floor so that you're not distracted by them coming forward because I want you to contemplate what application might look like for you today. So with our heads bowed and some of us with our eyes closed, however you feel comfortable, do you find yourself in a place where the agenda you need to lay down is actually your life, your own will, your flesh, To say, God, I need to surrender to you. 
If that's you today, if you want to enter into a relationship with Jesus, it's not some rote prayer that needs to be repeated. It's as simple as acknowledging what he did on the cross, saying something like, Lord, I'm a sinner, but you died for my sins. Would you forgive me? Come and be the Lord and leader of my life. It can be that simple to begin a relationship with the Lord. For some of you, that's what it looks like to lay down your agenda to do God's will today. And if you've prayed that prayer or if you're praying that prayer, we'd love to have a conversation with you either today or after the fact. You can reach out to our website or via email. We'd love to walk alongside you in next steps so it's not just an emotional decision or response. For others of us that are already in relationship with the Lord, for you, how will I lay down my agenda to do God's will looks like a process where our agenda has been split off from God's agenda. And we have to reevaluate the decisions that we're making, maybe with our time, our talent, and our treasure. The people that we live for, the people we live in proximity to. Are we living on mission or are we influenced by the agendas and the worries and the cares of this world? Maybe it's a conversation that we have to have with our parents, with a friend, with a spouse. But what does it look like to lay down your agenda to do God's will? If you're in here today and you say, listen, I'm already there, man. I'm living every day trying to do the best I can to acknowledge God's will. We never outpace the text. So you can't say like, hey, I'm already there. I'm done. This was a great reminder of all the things that they need to worry about. (laughs) I'll die for you, God. I don't know about those 11, but I'm there. I want to challenge you today that even if you're a person that continually places your will, I'm sorry, your agenda in line with God's will. I want to ask you, is there a God risk you're taking? What does it look like to live on mission as someone that's informed by the agenda of God's will? Say, you know what? I'm going to take a God risk here. I'm not going to be reckless. That's not what God risks mean. It doesn't mean reckless living. It means living in line with the gospel and risking something that might cost you something for the sake of the advancement of the kingdom. Maybe I'll go without so that somebody else can be blessed. Maybe I'll risk having a spiritual conversation with someone that God has placed in my heart. I don't know what it is, but I want to lead us all in a prayer to consider what it is that the Lord might be laying on our hearts. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you today just asking that your will be done that you would show us areas of our life that we've been so wrapped up with our agenda, with how it is that we want things to work out, with the plans and the purposes that we have. We've gotten distracted from the things that actually matter, the things that are eternal. Lord, would you remind us today that we live in in the grasp of your grace and mercy and that we're simply stewards of our one and only life to bring you glory. We're so grateful. We're so grateful that you choose to use us for the furtherance of your kingdom and that we get the joy of living a life led by you. And so we surrender and we worship you today. We ask that you'd speak to our hearts and minds about what it is that needs to be aligned with your will. In your name we pray.
prayer of repentance and prayer of acknowledgement that we get it wrong. But we also just come declaring that we're going to make room for whatever you want to do. That we're going to set aside the rogue religious obligations and the, the things that we do to check the box and really pursue something life-giving with you, a true relationship with you, a friendship with the living God. How beautiful.
just figuratively you're kind of holding tight, but you know what? Your way's not working. It's just not working. And you can keep trying, and you can keep trying, but you're going to come up empty. Because there is no single thing in this world, in this life, that can fulfill and satisfy you like Jesus can. And will it cost you something? Yeah, sure, it might. Is it worth it? 100% every time. Because this life is short and eternity is long. And we want to be about the eternal things, right? So I'd love to just sing this again. Oh, sorry, Claude, I didn't know you were up here. And just make this our prayer that, like we sang the song before, God, your way is better. I try a lot of things my way and it just comes up empty. These are hard songs to sing. They're not easy songs to sing. But they're good prayers to pray. I want you to pray them. Can you just sing that one more time?
we would live as stewards. But we're grateful. We're grateful for the breath in our lungs, the grace and mercy that you've awarded to us. So we worship you with our whole lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Feel free to remain. And uh, otherwise, can't wait till next week as we get to meet again next week, which is so awesome. God bless you as you go. Feel free to stick around. Plenty of coffee.